Good morning. All right, man. Okay, I'm pumped up. This is going to be good. Hey, a couple of, uh, just a little housekeeping thing. Uh, I was at Life Group Monday night with uh, the Felter crew, and it was amazing. I had such a great time, great discussion. Um, but, but one of the things that was brought out, I knew this about myself already, but I talk really fast sometimes. Um, and uh, I don't apologize for that, because if I didn't talk so fast, we'd be here for an hour, not 30 minutes. So you're welcome. Uh, but what that does mean is that often some of you guys have trouble catching the words for the filling in the blanks on the outline. So at their request, I've added the slides with those outline items to the thing. Luke, I didn't check this before. I don't know if it's a one click and then the word appears or if you got to double click it. So we'll figure that out as we go. All right, so click it again. All right, now go back. Okay, cool. It's a double click. All right, so now that's what it'll look like. So today, we're, we're, the, the passage we're going to look at is, is from Luke chapter 8. I, I titled today's message, Revealing God's Word. Uh, and that's gonna, I think that that's going to kind of unfold. It's going to reveal itself as we move through. I got a little wordplay today. I, I hope you all enjoy that. Um, thank you, Kara, for the testimony this morning. I, I, you probably saw me. I grabbed my iPad out. I made some notes because um, God used that testimony this morning. And I'm going to draw that out when we get to that point. Uh, so last week, we covered the parable of the sower. Um, that was a really fun message for me. Uh, it was revolutionary for my life. I hope the same was true for you. We looked at a lot of um, Dr. Anita Phillips' work on that passage in combination with the story of creation in Genesis. Um, in that parable, if you weren't here, the sower scattered seeds. The seeds land in different places. Where the seed landed determined how the seed grew. Dr. Phillip equates each soil type that we looked at, and I'll, I'll mention some more of this later in the message, with an emotional state of the heart, uh, sadness, anger, fear, and joy, respectively, as those soils are listed in the passage. The main takeaway from that message is that all of our hearts experience each of those soil types. And I, I want to emphasize that again. I want to emphasize that again because... If I don't, the tendency for us is to look at those soil types and compare that to our heart and say, well, I must always be this kind of person. Our hearts don't work that way. They move, they transition through life. We're not binary, right? It's always changing. As a result, where our heart is, though, when we hear a word from the Lord or what that word is, whatever area of that heart, of our heart that that word touches, the condition of our heart, where that word touches, determines how we apply that word, how we're able to understand that word from God. In that parable, the seed is the word of God and the soil is our heart. There's a few verses last week that we didn't discuss though. They're the verses between the parable of the sower and Jesus' explanation of the parable. And I'll be honest, it's, it would be easy to skip over those verses. And we'll read them in a minute and you'll go, oh yeah. Because it's not clear at the outset, when you're first reading of what Jesus is trying to communicate. And so today, before we can move forward, we need to go back to those verses because at the end of the parable of the sower and after the explanation, those couple of verses we're going to talk about today about hiding your light directly um, correlate to those verses in the middle between the parable and the explanation. So let's go back. Look with me at Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 9 and 10, and then we'll kind of dig into what God has for us in verses 16 and 18 a little later on. So picking up in 9. Then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, 
But to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. I don't know what your thoughts were about this chunk when you read it last week. Upon initial read, it seems that Jesus is saying that he's teaching in parables with a distinct purpose that some people will not understand. But that's contrary to what we know about who Jesus is, right? What we know about the character of God. So it takes a little digging, but it becomes clear that Jesus isn't communicating what he is doing. Rather, he is telling us what is happening in the hearts of those who don't understand. If you look at your Bible, whether it's on your phone or, or, or a physical copy, if you look at the end of that verse, in verse 10, there's a letter or a symbol or a number. It just depends on how your Bible does that. Or if you're on your phone or a tablet, you'll see that there's a hyperlink there and you can click on it or you can look at the bottom. Mine has it in the bottom right-hand corner. Some Bibles have it in the middle. If you go follow that reference, you're going to see that it points to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. Let's flip there. And I, I want to point out, because I love when God does this, what's the old familiar song that's echoing in our hearts? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to read verses 9, or we'll read verses 8 through 10. But this comes on the end of, no, we're, going to, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to read starting in verse 1. And the king... In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. And the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of armies. Then one of the serum flew to me, and with his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. And then picking up in verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And he replied, Go, say to these people, Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears, and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their minds. Turn back and be healed. So verse 8 is familiar with us, right? We're familiar with that story. If you grew up in church, you heard that a lot of times. This is the message that God gives Isaiah to go and to preach to the nation of Judah. But we still, we've got to have a little bit more context. Flip back one page to chapter 5, verse 10. Because here God is describing the nation of Judah. Chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For a ten-acre vineyard will yield only six gallons of wine, and ten bushels of seed will yield only one bushel of grain. Now, you and I don't, probably don't know a lot about winemaking, about whether or not that's a good yield off of ten acres. I'm guessing no. However, I can tell you 
that if you take 10 bushels of grain and plant it and you only receive one bushel back, you're in the negative nine bushels. Everybody clear on that? Okay, so it was not a good return. This is God describing the nation of Judah. What's happening in this passage is God is addressing the sins of Judah. And I want us to understand that God did not decide to close their eyes, their ears, and their hearts. He's telling Isaiah that this is happening and will continue to happen regardless of the message that he preaches. God was not condemning his people. His people condemned themselves because they would not listen. Luke also records Paul using this same language when preaching to the Jewish people in Rome. Flip with me to Acts chapter 28. That's right after the book of Luke, in case you didn't know. Chapter 28, verses 23 through 28. It's right at the end of the the book of Acts. Paul says, After arranging a day with him, Many came to him at his lodging from dawn to dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For your hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. As you can see, this is not a new phenomenon. God's people have historically ignored God's command. Right? We started with that in the garden. But it's gotten progressively worse over time. And this should not be a surprise to any of us that it gets worse. Each generation teaches the next about how they respond to God. Looking at all three of these uses of this one prophecy shows the immensity of God's love and His mercy and His grace and His patience for His people. Think about this with me for a moment. Between 742 B.C., which is when Isaiah stood before the Lord, and from when Jesus is teaching in His ministry in 29 A.D., There had been approximately 25 to 26 generations that have passed between Isaiah's encounter with the Lord and Jesus' teaching in in Israel. 25 to 26 generations. That's assuming that there's three generations per hundred years. 771 years had passed. And what God said would happen is what happened. Their ears, their eyes, their hearts were shut towards God. During all that time, the hearts of most of God's people had not changed. They were still ignoring what God had commanded. God uses the same prophecy through Isaiah, through Jesus, and Paul to communicate the same message. And this is point number one for us today. That our ability to see, to hear, and to understand God's word depends on the condition of our hearts. Undoubtedly, that Sounds familiar from last week's message. In the parable of the sower, Jesus explains that the word is given to all. 
God loves all and has given all humans the same message and in the same way. The difference is between how we receive the message in our hearts. The kingdom of Judah that Isaiah was prophesying to, many of the people that heard Jesus' message, and the Jews in Rome that Paul was teaching to responded in the same way with disbelief. They heard the words of God through his messengers or from Jesus himself and still did not believe. They didn't believe but because their hearts were not good soil. In this section between the parable and the explanation in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is trying to help the disciples to understand that they can hear it because they want to hear it. Their hearts are in a different condition than they were in the days of Isaiah. Rather than ignoring God and going about life in their own ways, these men and women had chosen to follow Jesus, to hear his voice, to listen to what he said. They had submitted their lives to his leadership and they were soaking up all that he would give them. And the result of their submission to Jesus was a heart of good soil. Look at what Jesus says about them in the beginning of of verse 10. He said, so he said to these, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given for you to know. There was intentionality behind Jesus' teaching of his disciples. It wasn't only so that they could know him. In fact, it was never Jesus' plan for only a few that followed him around Israel to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. God made it clear through the prophets that he wanted all of his people to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And Jesus' teaching in this way was no accident. He is preparing them to be able to share this message with themselves and with others. We'll see when we get to chapter 9 that Jesus sends out the 12 to share this message without Jesus being present with them. And the disciples, they probably don't see it yet, but Jesus is preparing them for this mission. And in these short few verses, at the end of the parable of the sower, and then again at the end of the explanation, Jesus is revealing his plans to them. Look at this with me. Jesus tells them why they understand and why other people don't. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 16 and 17 in Luke chapter 8. It says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see it. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. I want to pull another gem of Scripture to illuminate our understanding of what Jesus is saying. 1 John 1, verse 5. 1 John 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message that we have heard from him to declare to you, God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. Do you see what Jesus is preparing his disciples to be? This isn't just imagery. When we hear the word of God and we let it change who we are, the light is in us. John continues to explain in verse 7. 
He said, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not only is the light in us, church, but it cleanses us from all sin. As we are cleansed, we are made into Jesus' likeness. That process of us being filled with light is how others are able to see. I'm say that again. The process of us being filled with light is how others are able to begin to see. Jesus' work and the lives of his followers changed them from lowly men and women into world changers. When the light comes into our lives, it reveals all of our sin. And by being revealed, we are freed from the guilt and the shame and the punishment that that sin would have brought had it not been revealed. Our understanding of God's love, His mercy, and His grace is illuminated so that we can finally see it. God speaks and works in our lives and through our lives so that all may know Him. And God does not give His Word so that it can be kept hidden. In fact, if we go back to 1 John and we see what He says about those who continue to live in darkness. Look at verse 6. We skipped over that. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. John is being very clear. If we choose to live in the light, we are followers of Jesus. If we choose to live in darkness, we are lying about who Jesus is and we are not practicing the truth. Living in the light is what Jesus is referring to in Luke chapter 8 verse 16. It says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under the bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in the light may see its light. Jesus shared the truth about the kingdom of God with his disciples and with us so that we could share it with other people. He has illuminated our hearts, which makes us light too. Think about the imagery of a lighted lamp. Y'all, y'all ever seen Aladdin, the lamp that the genie comes out of? That is a lamp from that time period. Okay, They put oil in it, and the little skinny part where it looks like you would pour something out, there would be a wick that would be inserted, and they would light that wick. I did like this, like they have lighters. They'd light the wick, and that was the lamp, right? Imagine that. Compare that with the imagery of the tongues of fire that came down at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came, as Jesus promised, he came as light. Jesus sowed his word into our hearts so that we could go and sow his word in others' hearts. This is the fruit of of what Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower. Point number two today is tend your soil so that God's word can produce fruit. At the end of the parable we studied last week, Jesus made an important request, and I want us to go back and look at that in verse 8. Luke 8, chapter 8. says, still other seed fell on the ground. And when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was shown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. I want to point out two things. First one, Holy Spirit just pointed out to me. What was 
What was the yield on that seed? A hundred times. Now compare to that to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 10, when the yield was nine, negative nine, right? The connection between being good ground and listening is paramount for the believer. Remember the word of God is the seed that's sown, right? We talked about that a minute ago. By asking us to listen, Jesus asked us to allow the word of God to be sown in our hearts here. What's the result of the seed being sown in good soil? What would we talk about? What was produced? Y'all can say it out loud. What was produced? Fruit. Okay, everybody's got that. All right. What is inside of fruit? Seeds. What is the purpose of fruit in nature? Anybody got a guess? Food. Okay. Why, why is it good that animals eat the fruit? Anybody thought about that? Because it scatters the seeds. The seeds are scattered because the animal eats the seeds from one location passes through the animal's digestion as the animal is moving and then those seeds are deposited somewhere away from the plant. Right? Can I get an amen off that? Everybody understands how the digestive system works, okay? Last week in Life Group, Miss Debbie made a discovery for all of us, okay? And it brought her from the edge of tears to giggling. It was a beautiful moment, right? We're talking about the soil and we're talking about the organic matter and she said, she started giggling and everybody's like, what? And she said, I'm going to say it from the pulpit. She said, you mean all the crap we go through is what makes the organic soil? And I was like, yes, yes it is. Seeds are scattered because the animals eat them, right? And the organic matter helps turn poor soil into good soil, right? Remember that from last week, okay? One of the primary sources when you're composting to make your soil even better is manure, Right? I don't know if you knew that or not. It's full of stuff that plants need. Okay? Track with me here because I don't want you to lose it in all the potty talk. Track with me what God's saying. The manure and the seeds have been scattered and deposited together. Don't miss this. God uses the difficulties in our lives to scatter the seeds and deposit them with what they need to grow. Do you see that? When we go through difficulties in life, I'm not diminishing difficulties. I know difficulty. We all do, right? But when we go through those difficulties, God is putting organic material in our lives and He's filling us with it so that when we spread the seeds, the seeds are not going out to fall on the path to be eaten and trampled. The seeds are being deposited with good soil. Boy, y'all got me preaching now. Right? Are you feeling this? God is doing something incredible in our lives. It's not just about us in this moment and how we feel. It's about scattering the seed. It's about being light in the world. One of my favorite songs is by my Maverick City Music. It's a song called Promises. And in the bridge, Naomi sings, In the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trial, I will still bless you. In the middle of the road where I don't know where to go, I will still bless you. That seed that we scattered, church, it may lay dormant for a long time, for a season or two. But if we scatter the seed, God will make it grow. This morning when Kara was sharing her testimony, she talked about how in, when you're dealing with kids that are going through what they're going through, you just want to fix it. And I, I so identify with that. 
But I don't want you to miss the fact that when God puts those kids in your home and you love them and you listen to them and you help them to be seen and heard, you are planting seeds. And those seeds may not, they may not sprout for a long time. Did you know that some seeds, in order to even sprout, have to be inoculated? That's a fancy way of saying the outer coating has to be degraded. And that takes time or a digestive system. Okay? We don't get to decide when the seeds sprout or when they grow or how they grow. That's God's work. What has he asked us to do? To be fruit. Our job is to produce fruit. Church, God's word never returns void. It may take generations, but God's word will produce the fruit. We don't need to worry about the soil of somewhere else's heart. You scatter the seed. You share the story of God's goodness and let God grow that seed. I want you all to think for just a moment. I, I thought about this a lot this weekend. How much God has had me preaching over the last several years about sharing his word, about sharing the gospel. Have you ever thought about why God keeps bringing that message out? Doesn't matter what we study, we keep going back to sharing the gospel. Why is that? My prediction is that our hearts are not lonely in that particular area of our lives. I believe that most of us have good intentions. But the reality is that there's been an alarming lack of salvation in our body over the last several years. I want you to think about that. I think we've been hiding our light under a basket. What kind of ground has that area of your heart been? Has it been the path where the seed is sown and it's eaten or trampled? Is it the stony ground where it sprouts? You're excited about sharing the word, but quickly is withered by the sun because there's no foundation there? Or is it among the thorns where, again, you're excited, you begin to grow, but then you're choked out by the worries of the world? Or has it been fertile, good soil? This is not for me or for anyone else to judge, but what are we doing if we are not being light in the world as Jesus commands us? What are we doing if we're not doing that? That's why he came. Thinking about what we talked about last week, by processing what we're going through with God, we can move from wherever we are to wherever we need to be. At different times or stages of our lives, we're going to find that our, the soil of our heart is not where it needs to be, church, and we just got to recognize it. Because if we don't recognize it, we can't do anything about it. It's only in recognizing the struggle that we can ever hope to resolve it. Think about this in terms of going to the doctor. Do you go to the doctor and say, Doc, I'm not feeling well, and then him just throw a bunch of random medicines at you to see which one works? No, that's not how it works. You go to the doctor, and he says, okay, tell me about your symptoms. So you tell him about your symptoms, and he goes, okay, here's the symptoms, and he's in his brain, there's some calculations going, because he's been to school for a long time. He's going, here's all the symptoms, what could cause all of those symptoms to happen at the same time? So he comes to what the cause of it is, and then he prescribes treatment to fix the cause of the problem, to go to the root of it. In the same way that a doctor treats our ailments, we must allow Jesus to treat our hearts. To go to Jesus and say, I recognize this about myself, and here's the symptoms. I need a treatment for the cause. We got to go to the doctor. 
But church, here's the, here's the thing. A lot of us, we know how to go to the doctor. And we know how to figure out what the cause is because he tells us. The problem is we don't follow through with the treatment plan. The doctor puts you on a round of antibiotics for 10 days and you don't finish the round of antibiotics. You know what that does? It means you don't heal as fast. Can you get better? Yeah, you can. It's going to take longer though, right? We know that. The same is true of our hearts. If we know what the problem is, but we don't let, it, let God deal with that in our lives, can we get better? Yeah. But instead of it taking a month, it may take a year or 10 years if we're ignoring what the doctor says. If we hear Jesus speak and we understand what he says and we don't do what he says, we are the ones that Isaiah is prophesying about. You hear me? If we hear what God says, we understand it, but we don't do it, we are the ones whose ears will be closed and eyes will be shut and minds will be turned off. I want to be clear about this, church. This is not condemnation. This is diagnosis. We have to learn to be honest with ourselves and with Jesus about where we are. This is why Jesus gives this final warning in, in verse 18 of Luke chapter 8. He says, therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. I cannot think of a scarier scenario in my relationship with God. Even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Years ago, there was a church that was really, really struggling. And they knew they were struggling. And so they, they invited a guest preacher to come and address the issues that the church was facing. This church didn't like the condition they were in. They recognized it. They wanted things to be, get, to be better. So the leadership of that church brought in this guest speaker to address the issues. And in his sermon, the, church, the, the pastor told the church that if their focus was on keeping what they had in the past, they were going to lose not only what they have now, but they would also prevent themselves from ever gaining anything new. And at that point, the church had a decision to make. Would they continue to focus on trying to make everything now like it used to be back in the day? Or would they move forward listening to God and take his lead and see where God would take the church? Unfortunately, that church chose the first option. And for the next decade, they continued to decline, both numerically and spiritually. They didn't heed the words of Jesus, and they lost what they thought they had. I said I can't imagine a scarier scenario because I could not imagine living disillusioned and then standing before God only to realize that I had missed him my whole life. This is what Jesus is warning about. It's what Isaiah was prophesying about. It's what Paul was warning about. If we don't listen to the warning, we will go through life thinking we are doing what God wants when in reality, we are doing what we want and calling it God. That's what John was talking about in 1 John chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, where he says we are a liar because we're living in the darkness, not in the light. Tending our soil by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives is the only way to prevent missing God. This is the only way to live in the reality of where you are, is by being in the presence of God. Jesus is preparing the disciples to share the gospel. That's what this parable is about. They spent much time with him and they would had a lot of experiences that led up to this moment. 
And I want us to realize that the same is true for us. We look around this room collectively, we have had some incredible experiences with the Lord. But I want you to consider a few questions as we close out this morning. Who is it in your life that doesn't know Jesus? And how much prayer, time, and resources have you committed to their salvation? What's holding you back from being the light in their life? And is whatever that thing is that's holding you back, is it worth their salvation? Here's what we know. You're either light or you're not. There's no in-between. If you're in the light, but you're not sharing that light with others, you have placed your light under a basket or under a bed. If everyone in your circle knows Jesus, something about your life needs to change. Right? God has put the light in you not to be hidden but to be shared God has put the light in you as a believer as a follower of Jesus everything you need to share the gospel is already inside you it's not about fancy words it's about being in the moment with someone I had a conversation with a young man Wednesday night who's struggling and I got to share the gospel with him not a hey here's the three-step plan to salvation we did get to that But what he really needed to know is that in the middle of his struggle, he's not alone. That the Holy Spirit wants to live inside him. So that when he's going through that struggle, he's not having to do it by himself. And he asked questions and that led to the plan of salvation. He didn't pray a prayer, but I planted a seed. I didn't show up Wednesday night going, there's going to be somebody here tonight. I'm going to tell them the gospel. I was just present in the moment, being light. And the moment presented itself, the Holy Spirit was in it. And I got to have a conversation about what it means to have Jesus live inside you. That's what God's asking us to do. Is to be present in the moment, in the people that he's put in our lives. And he'll present the opportunity. Sometimes we're going to spread seed and we don't even know it. It's just falling out of our pocket while we're walking along. We're going to look back one day and go, huh, a row of watermelons growing behind me. How'd that happen? Right? But sometimes we're going to go out in the garden and we're going to scatter. We're going to scatter seed. And we're going to come back in a few weeks and we're going to see some sprouts. And years later, we'll come back to find a field that's full, full of beautiful wildflowers. Because we sowed. Because we share the Word of God with the people that God put in our lives. Take all the stuff in your head that is surrounding that idea of sharing the gospel and just throw it away. And just see this. Jesus told these disciples and those that are following Him, Here's how we spread the gospel. We sow the seed everywhere we go. Some of it's going to take, some of it's not. Some of it may lie dormant for years. But a seed that's sown by God will always grow. Let's pray. Jesus, all of us have spots in our lives we're not satisfied with who we are in you. But God, it's so scary sometimes to get into that. Or Father, there are people in this room, some that, that are just going through a lot right now. And this is not what's on the forefront of their mind. And Father, I want you to, 
I want you to tell them to this morning that that's okay. That even when we think we're not sowing seed, we still are. But Father, also help us to realize that we have to be intentional about it. That this is not something that just happens, happenstance as we go through life. It can, but that's not what you want. God, you want us to be present in the moment with the people that you've placed around us. God, help us to identify the people and the moments as they happen. Father, help the focus of our lives not to be around what makes us comfortable. Make the focus of our lives being the light in a dark, dark world. And Father, as we go through life, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go play, as we go uh, chase kids at all these different activities, Father, let us to be a light and help us to realize that we are light, that we have something to offer to the world. Jesus, as we close today in worship of you, Father, I ask that your spirit would impress upon every person's heart in this room that you have everything that they need, no matter where they are. Father, that your goal for us is to be that good, fertile soil that is full of joy. Father, that's where you want us all to be. But wherever we are right now, Lord, we believe in our hearts, we believe in our minds that you have everything that it will take to move us from where we are to where you need us to be. Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful that we get to have these moments with you. Jesus, don't let this don't let this light die inside of us when we leave this room this morning. Father, let it burn bright all week. Jesus, I ask this for my sake, for the church's sake, and in your name, amen.